Ah, the rain is lashing on the skylight just above me here. I don't know if it's going to be picked up on this or not. It's well hidden in among pillows, this recorder. But, well, what can you expect from the start of August in Orkney? Ah, remember when we used to have summers. Anyway, enough of me moaning. This is a story that I've always loved. It's an old Scottish folk tale. And it's called... Three Pieces of Advice Now there was once a man And times were hard And now he didn't have a big family It was just him and his wife and one son But the son, well he was a a ravsy sized boy As who would say He was growing up fast But he was still too young to be working And there was no work to be found in the area. Times were hard. So the man decided that he would have to go and earn a living as best as he could. So he set off and he found work here and there. A few weeks here and a few weeks there. And he travelled around doing whatever he could turn his hands to. Just labouring work, usually farm work, but he did what he could. Now eventually he came to a big farm, and the farmer that lived there had a reputation of being a good man. He also had a reputation of being a wise man too. If he told you something, it was worth listening to. Now, our hero here, he works for a year for this man and he's a hard worker now at the end of the year the farmer comes to him and he says you know you've done an excellent job here this farm's a better place now than it was before you came and it's thanks to you and I have got your Year's wages, all made up and ready for you. But I would like to make you an offer. Oh, he said, what's that? Well, said the farmer, I'll give you your year's wages. We'll shake hands. Off you go with my blessing. Or, instead of your year's wages... I'll give you three pieces of good advice. Well, the man looked a bit puzzled. But the farmer said, now don't answer me now. Just think think about it. And see what you you come up with. Come back after a couple of hours. Let me know what you're thinking. So off he went. Well... The man was in a real dilemma here because he needed that money. God, did he need that money. But at the same time, before the farmer was offering him advice, well, that was something else. And the farmer's reputation for being a wise man, if he was going to give you a piece of advice, you'd be a fool not to listen to it. Oh, God, his wife would kill him if he came back without the money. But then, 
farmer's good advice. That could be worth more than gold. So, when he went back to the farmer, he said, I've decided to take your three bits of advice. Ah, you're a wise man, said the farmer. Right, here is your three pieces of good advice. My first one is never take a shortcut. My second is never spend a night in a house where there's an old man with a young wife. And my third piece of advice is never strike in anger. Hold your hand. Well, he said, that's my three pieces of advice. Thank you again for all your work. I do appreciate everything you've done. And here, he said, because your wife will be annoyed when you go home, I've got a lovely big loaf here baked for you. Take that back with you. And don't break it until you get home and you can share it with your wife and son. Well, thank you, he said. And he set off along the road. <clears throat> now, he'd walked for quite a while when he met a couple of men. And they said, are you going to the village? Well, I am, he said. Well, I'm going further than the village, but I'm going to the village tonight. Ah, well, why don't you join us? It'll be company. And he thought, that's a good idea. We've got company, you know, on the road. That would be, that would be fine. So <clears throat> the three of them walk along the road, and they're chatting away, and they're laughing, and they're having a great time, you know, until they come to a gate. And the one of them says, I know a shortcut to the village. This is an old drover's road here. It's not been used for years, but we can climb over this gate and cut across the land there. Oh, it'll cut a long time off our journey. It'll reduce it by about a third. Well, the other man said, Oh, I'm up for that. I'm always up for a shortcut. And the man was about to go with them as well when he remembered the farmer's first piece of advice. Never take a shortcut. So he said, Well, if it's all the same with you boys, I'm going to stick to the road that I know. But he wished them all the best, and he bade them farewell, and he set off along the road. Well, the two of them headed off across the country towards some woods. And the man's road bent around the corner, and they disappeared from sight. Now he walked on and on and on, but you know, the village was just too far away to make it in, a, in that night. But he did see by the side of the road that there was a cottage. There was lights on. So he went and he knocked on the door. And an old man answered it. And who are you? He said. Oh, I'm just a, a poor man on his way home. But it seems that night has overtaken me. Is there any chance of spending the night here? Well, of course, said the old man. Come in, come in. So in he went. <clears throat> And there was a lovely big fire on, and there was a pot bubbling above it as well, with some soup in it. You'll take a wee bite to eat with us, he said. Oh, I'd love to. Well then, to his surprise, in came a young woman, and she went over to the pot and started to stir it. 
and she dished it up, and she put it in front of the old man, and she put a bowl in front of the man. And he says to the old man, Is this your your daughter? Daughter? <laughs> no, he said. No, no, that's my wife. Oh. Well, then the man remembered the farmer's second piece of advice. Never stay a night in a house where there's an old man with a young wife. Now, he wasn't sure what that would mean. But he knew that the farmer was a wise man, and he wouldn't waste his breath on just saying nonsense. So <clears throat> the two of them ate their fill, and then the man was shown to his bed, and he got under the blankets and lay down there, and soon he heard the old man and the young woman go into their beds as well, snoring away. And he thought... There's something going to happen here. There's something not right about this. So, very quietly, he got out of his bed, and he sneaked over to the door and opened it, and he crept up to the front door, and he went out of the house. And he had a little look around outside, and he could see that there was an outbuilding, a little barn. So he went into the barn, and there was piles of straw there and sheaves, so he made himself up a little bed. And he settled down there for the night. Now, he was just about to fall asleep when he could hear something. There was a door opening, and a man came in. Well, he hid, quiet as he could, among that straw, behind a pile of sheaves, where he could watch the man. He was very close to him. He was a tall, muscular young man, black hair. Now, he could see this because there was a full moon that night. But the young man seemed to be reasonably well-dressed. He had a long tail coat on. Well, he stood there for a while, and the man was thinking to himself, What's he doing here? Why is this young lad in here? Well, he soon found the answer to that when the door opened again and in came the young wife from the house. And she went over to him, and soon the pair of them were embracing and kissing. Oh, darling, they were calling each other. Oh, my dearest, my true love. Ah, so that's it. The young wife has a lover, he thought. He's so close to them that he could almost touch them. Well, then the young woman starts to speak. Tonight's the night, she says. What do you mean, says the young man? There's a stranger staying in the house tonight. So it's got to be tonight. The deed's got to be done. Well, he said, are you sure? It won't wake him up any. No. We'll strike quietly. We'll go into the house, and you, quick as you like, you can put a pillow over the old man's face or stick a knife in his heart. And then, in the morning, I'll run and get the police, and I'll say, there was a stranger came to the house and murdered my husband, tried to steal our money. They'll get the blame, that man, and he'll swing for it. And then, after a while, 
when it's decent like, then you can court me, and I'll marry you, and everything belonging to the old man will belong to us, my love. Oh, we'll be rich, and we'll have each other for always. Oh, so that was the game. Well, where the man was hiding behind the sheaves, he could reach out and he could touch the man's coat. So, as quick as he could, he took out a knife that he kept razor sharp, and very carefully he cut a little piece out of one of the tails of the man's coat, and he put it in his pocket. Well, after a bit more kissing and cuddling, the two of them left the building. And the woman went back to the house, and the young man, well, he would have come with her to do the horrible deed that they were planning. Well, as soon as he heard that, that man was out of that barn as quick as his feet could carry him. He was down that road and heading towards the village. And he reached it just as the sun was rising. And in the village he went, and it was starting to come to life now. The sun was up, and people were bustling around. And he was looking around to see what was going on, and maybe if he could find himself a little inn, that the few coins he still had in his pocket, he could maybe buy himself a wee plate of soup, or maybe get a bit of bread and cheese. Well, who should he see in the marketplace but his two friends that he'd left the night before? The ones that had taken the shortcut. But, oh, they were in some state now. They were all cut and bruised and bloody and battered. What happened to you guys, he said. Oh, was that shortcut that we took, he said. Well, we were walking along the road there, and there was a band of thieves came out. And they beat us up, and they took all our money and everything that we owned. My watch is gone, all my money, everything. They took everything. God, you're lucky to be alive. Well, we are that, they said. Oh, I wish I'd never taken that shortcut. Well, then the man realized, of course, that the farmer's first piece of good advice had been a very good piece of advice indeed, and he would have lost his whole year's wages if he hadn't taken it. Well, they were chatting away and newsing away together when suddenly there was a great commotion. That's him, said a woman's voice. That's the murderer. And the next thing he knew, the police were there, hand on each shoulder. And there was the young woman that he had seen the night before, the one who was married to the old man. He's the one that murdered my husband, she said. And are you sure about this, madam, said the policeman? This is a very, very serious accusation you're making here. And, you know, he will get the noose for it if he's found guilty. Oh, that's him all right. The cold-hearted devil came into our house last night. He sat by our fire and he ate our food. And that night when I was asleep, he snuck into my husband's room and he brutally murdered him. 
Oh, he should be strung up this very instant. Well, the man realized that he was in really hot water now. But then he remembered the previous night and the piece of the tail coat which was still in his pocket. It's a lie, he said. It's a lie. It was her that plotted the murder, and he told them everything, and he told them all about the young man, and they gave a description of him too, and they knew exactly who it was. You know, gossip is never idle, and... The tongues had been wagging around the neighborhood that this young wife had herself a young lover on the side, and he was arrested and brought before them. And then the man produced from his pocket the piece of the tail coat, and he told them how he had cut this from his coat as the two of them plotted the old man's murder, and the police took it, and it fitted perfectly to the tail of the coat. And the man, as soon as he seen that, his nerve deserted him, and he blurted out a full confession. He said everything that him and the woman had done to kill the old man, and it was all her idea and all her fault. And the two of them were arrested and led away. Well, it wasn't going to end well for them. But then the man realized that the farmer's piece of good advice was so, such good advice. He had been saved from a hangman's noose, which he would have assuredly got if it wasn't for heeding that piece of advice. Well, he set off home. He was getting closer now. And he walked and he walked and he walked. It was a long, long way, and the sun was down by the time that he was getting near to where he lived. He walked through the night, and just as the sun was rising, he arrived back at his own home. And he quietly went in through the door, because he knew that his wife would be asleep. And he went to her room, and he quietly opened the door, and he went in, and there, lying in the bed, he could see by the early morning rays of the sun, on the pillow was his wife's head, and alongside it was that of a young man. And, oh, the blood boiled inside his body, the rage took him, the red mist descended over his eyes. And he went over to the corner of the room where he kept an old sword, and he drew it, and he raised it up, and he was going to take it down on the neck of that young man with as much force as he could. How could she do that to him, with him working so hard for them? But then he remembered the farmer's third piece of advice. Don't strike in anger. Hold your hand. And so he lowered the sword, and he looked at this young man lying peacefully sleeping next to his wife. 
and there was something about him that he recognized. And as the sun rose higher in the sky and the room started to be filled with light, he recognized his own son. Now he was curled up in bed with his mother for warmth. It was winter time, and it was a cold house with very little in the way of heating. Well, he'd been away for a year, and the boy was growing up fast when he left, and he had grown up fast in the time that he'd been away, so he didn't recognize him, but now he recognized him. And he woke up his wife, and she gave a cry of joy to see him, and she hugged him, and she said how happy she was to see him, and how good it was to have him back. And the boy was dancing around with joy as well, going, Father, Father, welcome home, I'm so happy to see you. And he looked down on that sword that he had dropped on the floor, and the guilt was inside him, but it hadn't ended tragically, thanks to the farmer. Well, my love, he said, you probably won't thank me when I tell you what I've got for my year's work, but come through to the kitchen, and I'll tell you the story. So they went through and they sat down, and the woman <clears throat> put some water over the fire to boil. Well, he told her everything. He told her about working for the farmer and how he was offered the year's wages of the three pieces of advice, and how each piece of advice had been worth more than the year's wages to them. And he even had to say, shamed-faced though he was, what he thought he had found when he came home. Well, the two of them were amazed, but also relieved that he was safe and that everything had worked out well thanks to the farmer. I don't have my wages to bring home with me, my dear, he said, but the farmer did give me this loaf of bread, which he said I was to have with you when I got home. So she took a knife and she cut a few slices of bread through and gave it to them and they put butter on it and they ate it and then she cut a few more slices and the knife hit something. Well, she drew the piece of bread away and looked inside the loaf and there inside it the loaf was stuffed full of silver coins. It was the man's wages for the whole year had been put inside the loaf of bread. So he was a very, very lucky man, because he had been paid well for his year's labor, but also he had been given three pieces of good advice.